false teaching, how do we cut through all of that is by sound teaching. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for July 23rd, 2017. Today, our brother Omar brings a message entitled, Timothy's Church Plan. So the emphasis is teaching. That's the emphasis of the church at Ephesus, which is the emphasis for our church here. Now, Brother Omar breaks down how we as a church should respond to and combat false teaching. He'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, feel free to grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. The second letter to Timothy is Paul's last letter that he wrote right before, before he died. The story is that Paul, during his ministry, picks up this kid named Timothy at Ephesus, and he takes him with him, and he goes around the whole you know, Greek empire, uh, preaching the gospel with him. And on his way back, um, he goes through Ephesus, and he leaves him there um, before he goes off to Jerusalem. And in, if you go to the book, you can see this whole story in the book of Acts. In fact, I'm going to read like a whole bunch of verses so you can get more or less of the context of what's happening. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, um, Paul is on his way back. And Paul understands somehow that he has to go to Jerusalem. And on his way there, he drops off Timothy because he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to endure persecution, affliction, and he doesn't even know what's going to happen to him there, but he has to go to Jerusalem. So in Acts chapter 20, we get kind of like the, the story of what's happening. And he says, in Acts chapter 20, he says, From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Now, earlier, Paul had ministered in Ephesus for three years. This is the longest Paul had ever stayed in any city at any time. He stayed there for three years laboring and planting a church and raising a church in Ephesus for three years. So he says, on his way back, he says to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set food in Asia serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the blood of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So Paul understands, he receives this calling. His calling is, you're going to go to Jerusalem, you're going to be afflicted, and you're going to be in prison. And Paul says, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit tells me I've got to go to Jerusalem to go to prison. I'm going to go to Jerusalem so I could be in prison. That is unbelievably faithful, right? You, you imagine God tells us right now, right, followers of the way, you're going to start a church, then you're going to all going to get arrested when you start this church, and you're all going to go to prison. We probably will have different meetings if that, <laughs> if that was what we know was going to happen. But Paul understands that. So um, he goes on to say, 
But I do not account my life of any value, nor precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know, this is important, I know that after my departure, fears wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. And all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how He Himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul tells Timothy of the elders at Ephesus, among which Timothy is one of them. He says, when I leave, there's going to be some false preachers that are going to be coming from among you. Okay, After I leave, fierce wolves are going to come. They're not going to spare the flock. And then he tells them, um, you have seen me. Again, Paul always puts himself out there. You've seen what I've done. You've seen how I minister. You've seen how I live among you. You didn't even give me money. I worked and I paid myself. But there's going to be men that are going to come from among you who are going to be false preachers and they're not going to spare the flock. So that's the whole context of 2 Timothy. When Paul leaves Ephesus and on his way to Jerusalem, he's in prison and from prison he writes his last letter in his life to Timothy and the context of this letter of, of Timothy is everything that I just said. The, the church has been left there. There's going to be false preachers rising up from among them and preaching false doctrine. Now, last time when we were in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we talked about how Timothy, um, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him about these men he tells them, um, chapter 3, um, from among them are those who creep into household, capture weak women, burdened with sins, etc. And he, he tells them, you guys remember, just like Janus and Jambres, right, oppose Moses, so these men shall oppose you. The context is this, Janus and Jambres opposed Moses with something that looked like power, but it really wasn't. So these men, these wolves, are going to come to you and oppose you with something that looked like our belief, that looks like Christianity, but it's not, right? It's a false doctrine. 
So the way that Moses handled the fake power was with real power, right? So the way that you handle false doctrine is with real doctrine, with real teaching. So when we go to chapter 4, right, when you go to chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, we see the instructions are now to Timothy. Paul had already warned Timothy, all these things are going to happen, but this is what I want you to do. So he says to Timothy in chapter 4, he says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have an itch in ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions, will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander on, off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So this is Paul's instructions to Timothy and to all churches throughout history. Okay, This is what he says. First point, I charge you. Notice that word charge, right? This is not a suggestion or a tip that he's, he's given them. This is a command. I charge you um, by the presence of God and, and of Christ Jesus. Um, one thing that I found interesting is if you, if you look, like last week, we, Pastor Bolden talked about the Great Commission, go into the world and preach the gospel. Why? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. Therefore, because of that, you can go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, what, I, what authority do we have to do this? We don't. But Christ has all authority on heaven and on earth, so he can command us to go because he's the authority. So Paul is basically rewording the Great Commission here. He says, I charge you... On who's, on who's, who are you? Well, on, uh, in the presence of God, in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. In other words, he is the authority. So I'm charging you and his authority, who is the judge, who is going to judge all men one day. So he has authority over all men, right? By his appearing and by his kingdom, his rule, I charge you, preach the word. So the, as a church, we have the authority from the king of the world himself to go wherever his domain rules over, which just happens to be the entire planet, and everywhere in it, we can go and preach the word. And any opposition that comes away is irrelevant because we have an authority behind us that is rather powerful, right? When, when you go to when, a, when an American soldier goes to Iraq, that's not his country, that's some foreign land. He goes over there and he can take over certain places. Why? Well, because he has the authority of the United States Army who happens to take over this territory. So I can be here and I can do whatever. Well, we just happen to be soldiers of Jesus Christ who is the authority on heaven and earth. We have the authority to go anywhere and preach his word. Now, this is... Notice, this is a charge. This is a command. 
We've been given this charge, the same, the same way that Jesus commissioned the disciples, so he commissions us. So, um, here's the interesting part. Preach the word, be ready, in season, and out of season. What does that mean? That means all the time, right? But not just all the time. It doesn't mean you're going to be preaching in a street corner at night, during the day, in the morning, and everything. But what it means is to be ready if at any time you have to preach the word that you understand and then you know how to do that. So the, there's a responsibility given to Timothy as an elder and to the church to be knowledgeable enough of God's word that wherever it is or however it is or wherever we're at, that we can preach his word at any time, that we know how to explain it also at any time. So this implies that we learn and this implies that we're taught so part of ministry in Ephesus and here in Claremont is that we teach and that we learn. That's, that's a big responsibility of not only those of us who come up here, but all of us here in this room that we are taught and that we learn and that we are in turn able to teach others in season and out of season. Um, one thing that I, that I find interesting is that the Apostle Paul had this crazy idea that the Bible seems to apply to everything. And we have this problem, I believe, that we don't realize that we have this notion that there are spiritual things here and then there's like secular things here. And that the Bible and church is good for this here. But this here is a whole nother thing. There's, you know, like there's, there's like, you know, we can go by worldly wisdom here or something, right? We can use common sense here, right? That's not the New Testament. In the New Testament, you have the Bible, which covers everything. So in season and out of season is not just at all times, it's also in all things. Because all things, whether you like it or not, are a gospel issue. All things. Whether somebody is um, lost and needs salvation to go to heaven, that's a gospel issue. It are, if there's people somewhere that have no food and they're in poverty, that's a gospel issue. If there's countries like Cuba that are ruled by a dictatorship that is communist, that's a gospel issue because the Bible doesn't leave room. There is no neutrality. There is no such thing as secular anything, right? Because there's no middle ground. Jesus said, you're either with me, you're against me, right? So you're either going for my kingdom or you're against me. There's no middle ground. There's no secular place where you can be comfortable in the middle. To, you know, I'm just over here. That, that doesn't exist. It's only God, His Word, and how it's applied to all things. So in season and out of season, it's not just at all times. It's also for all things. We need to learn 
to not only know the scriptures and know the word, but here's the difficult part. We need to figure out how to apply it to all things. That's the difficult part. And that's the part that as a church, this church, that we need to concentrate on. How do we apply the scriptural to all things? How do we do church? If we're going to start a business, what does the Bible say about that? How do we do service? Or how do we service other people? You know what I'm saying? All those things need to fall. The scripture needs to apply to all of those things. Because that's how our ancestors did it. That's how they built Western civilization. They took the Bible and they were just, how do you put a government together? I don't know what the Bible says that. Okay, so let's try that. It's in the scriptures. It must work because God said it. Who cares? Science says this and that. Philosophy says this and that. Fine, but the scripture says this. It must work because if it didn't, God wouldn't have said it. He would have gone with that thing over there. But he didn't go with that thing over there. He went with this thing over here. So we're going to go with that. That's part of, as a church, to be able to preach the word, to be ready, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Notice the emphasis. And teaching. Why? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. One thing that I like about this, notice that word endure. That's an interesting word, endure. Um, the, the Reina Valera, the Spanish Bible, uses the word sufrirán, which means to suffer. They will no longer suffer. It's almost like sound doctrine has to be put up with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It grains against your nature, right? Sound doctrine is painful. It, it's hard. You have to kind of let it hit you and beat you up a little bit. Um, in um, Romans, Romans chapter 16, I want you to see this because there's a contrast. Thank you. I think that you got it, right? All right. Romans 16 says, listen to the contrast. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions. This is the false, false teachers and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you, you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. You see the difference? False teaching is what? Smooth, right? Flattery, nice, you like it. That's the difference. Sound teaching is you have to endure it. You have to suffer it. It needs to break you up. False teaching and false doctrine is soothing and smooth. It satisfies sinful passions and pleases the emotions. Be weary of preachers that are smooth and soothing to your ears. If you listen to a man... And his sermons are very nice, very, I don't know, you feel really good when you are done. You don't feel any type of conviction. You don't feel like something inside of you has been pushed, right? 
that your nature that is inclined to slap people at subways who don't get your sandwich right, when that stuff is not turned inside of you, you're listening to a man who's smoothing you. That's false teaching, is smooth, right? The other thing that he says, he says, um, they will not endure sound teaching. Now in the English, most of the versions that I've seen use the word sound. Um, the Spanish Bible uses the word sana, which means healthy, right? Now the Greek word is hygienos, where you get your word hygiene, right? So sound doctrine is healthy, right? It's like medicine. You're sick, sound doctrine is medicine, right? And sometimes medicine does not taste good. You know, it, it, it makes you feel bad as it's healing you. That's how sound teaching is. False doctrine doesn't do that. It will never do that. You can listen to false teaching for years, never be convicted, never grow in grace, never learn the scriptures, never learn how to apply them. So the command from Paul to Timothy as an elder, as a pastor, and to the church that he's going to pastor is, preach sound doctrine. Even if people don't endure it, you preach sound doctrine. Because the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. Now, when I was younger in the faith, and a little bit less customer-friendly, I guess that's the word, um, I used to be all about false teachers and how horrible they are, and I would call them out and name them in front of people at the parking lot and churches and all that. And um, one thing that I noticed about this verse is that who's responsible for the, sound, for the false preachers? The people, right? What he says, people will not endure sound teaching, having itching ears, they, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit, suit their own passions. The people responsible for, for false preaching is people. Because you can't have a, a supply without a demand. It's people who are no longer willing to endure the, the sound doctrine because it's, like I said, it's not, it's not smooth. So you, great, you may grow weary of it. And they accumulate for themselves false preachers. They pay for them. They support them. They listen to them. They buy their books, etc. It's, it's the people themselves that raise up these preachers. So the responsibility of the elders of a church, of followers of the way, is to teach sound doctrine. The responsibility of the church is to be willing to receive it. Because if you don't receive it, then you will accumulate to yourselves false preachers. So it's, it's a dual thing. See what I'm saying? The, the, as the leadership command is to preach sound doctrine, the church's command is to be able to receive it and to be able to learn it and to be able to absorb it and let it work in your life. 
All right. Um, and then he goes on to say, as for you, that's, that's us here, as for you, um, be sober-minded. I had to look up. I had to look up what that means. To be honest, <laughs> be sober-minded. To be sober-minded means to be serious about truth. In other words, to be serious about not only uh, looking and finding what is truth, but to be careful and serious about how you handle truth. So as, 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 as leaders, it's the command of Paul to Timothy to be sober-minded as how he handles truth. To not, the, the, the idea is to be serious. The idea is not to be like wishy-washy, to be a church that there's a lot of fun that happens in the pulpit, but the idea is to be serious, to be sober-minded, to be... Um, when it comes to the truth, that you be able to approach it in a way with reverence. When I was a kid, you couldn't even go to the pulpit. You remember that? Like you couldn't even go because you will get slapped by all the old ladies. Because they, yeah, it didn't matter if she wasn't your mom, she could slap you for whatever reason. Because the idea was that this pulpit here, this is a serious thing. There's no monkeying stuff going on here. There's no fun and games going on here because this is the place where the Word of God is being preached to the congregation, so this is serious business over here. It's sober. See what I'm saying? It's just the opposite of drunkenness. So, as a church, followers of the way, this here should never be drunkenness. We should always be sober. We should always be a church that the preaching of the Word of God it's something that we take seriously, both the preaching and the learning and the receiving of it. Also, as a church, in this time where we live, we need to be a teaching-heavy church. Everything that we do, we should be something that we are bringing the Word of God into it, not only are we bringing the Word of God into it, like I said, but we're, we're receiving it and we're applying them in everything that we do. We have to be a teachy heavy, whatever ministry, whatever things we do in the future, the first thing is, what are we going to teach to whoever? How are we going to teach it? How are we going to show them? Because the emphasis of Paul to Timothy is teach with patience and teaching. Teach, preach the Word, teach. That's his emphasis. Because... The contrast is you have all these false preachers coming up against him, men who, who have, how does he put it? They, they, they look, right? They look like they're godly. They have an appearance of godliness, right? So Janice and Jambres, they look like they have some real magic powers. That's how they look. I mean, if you don't know any better, until Moses showed up and he took his staff and laid it in the floor and it turns into a snake. No smoke, no nothing, no, no gimmicks, no nothing. He just went like this, boom. Why? Moses had real power. So their fake power was exposed by real power. So false teaching, how do we, how do we cut through all of that? Is by 
sound teaching. So the emphasis is teaching. That's the emphasis of the church at Ephesus, which is the emphasis for our church here. We're, we're young. We're just starting. It's just all of us here. But as we grow, you know, as we grow and more people come in, we may receive people from places that may not have had sound teaching. See what I'm saying? And the way that we cut through that is by giving them sound teaching. And that's how we begin to bring the truth to them because they're coming in. We, unfortunately, we, we live in a, in a culture that we're not going to be necessarily um, getting people who were like pagans or heathens or whatever. Everybody in this country has been to church. Everybody in this country have heard the Bible being preached somewhere. You see what I'm saying? So we're going to get people who might already have backgrounds. And our job is to cut through all of that with sound teaching. So as a church, our emphasis, our emphasis should be um, teaching, learning, and applying. That needs to be our, we, we have to zero in on that. How? We figure it out, but it's from, from this pulpit going forth and for whatever ministry that we set up going, going forth, that should be our main goal. And also our goal is not only you guys, but those of us who are in this side of the pulpit, we also learn. So the teaching, the learning, and the applying starts here, actually. So we need to be willing to be taught, to learn what, we, what we've been taught, and to apply what we've been taught. And that's how we um, begin to, uh, as we apply God's truth, that's how we begin to cut through all the false that is out there. Because the, the, the people who are out there that might come here, might, they're coming from other places. And we, well, you've been out there. I don't have to tell you what's out there. So, and it's not necessarily that we have the truth. <laughs> like we're, This is the church that has the truth. That's not what it's all about. It's all about that we have to faithfully, imperfect as we may be, to try to always be sober-minded about the truth of God's Word and to teach it properly. To the, to the best of our ability. We don't have, we're not the church. We're just another church. But we have a command from Paul to, to preach his truth. And we have the authority of Jesus Christ and his kingdom and his authority in heaven and earth to be able to do this and the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this. So I'll finish with this. He says, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Endure suffering. That is, preach the truth. Do everything that I just said, even if you endure opposition. And if you endure opposition, endure it. So if things, if the church doesn't grow for a while, let's say, or if, or if, People oppose what we're doing or whatever, or they don't know, they understand. Our job is we endure it. We keep going. 
right? We keep going. Notice that none of these instructions that Paul is giving to Timothy is anything like techniques about how to get people into church. None of this is about how to grow a church or any things on leadership or whatever. It's none of that. He's just telling him very simply, this is, this, what I just read to you is Paul's recipe of how to build a church. And it's, it, that, that's how short it is. If Paul were to write a book, it would be this little paragraph. That's it. That's how to build a church right here in this paragraph. And he says, preach the truth, be sober-minded, endure suffering. Put up with it. Like I did. That's what Paul is saying. You see me. You see, you see how I did. You see I was among you. I'm not telling you to do anything that I didn't do. You see people beating me. Physically, we're lucky. We're probably, we, you're not going to get beaten in this country for preaching truth. You know what I'm saying? So, endure the suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That's how you fulfill your ministry. A ministry is fulfilled. A ministry is done properly when these things are put into place and are, and are practiced continuously for as many years as the Lord will have you there. 20, 30, how many years? How many years follows the way he's going to be here on this earth? That's what we have to do all the time and remind ourselves of, of that. So, um, Paul Paul's life was such a reflection of this. That's what makes this so much more powerful, is that all the things that you read here is what he did. That's what he told the elders at Ephesus. I did not shrunk from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I didn't skip the, the, ugly, the, the rough parts of the Bible. I declared them all unto you. Heaven, hell, fire, Whatever, whatever is in the scriptures, I declare them all unto you. I went from house to house. I prayed with every single one of you. I admonished you, I admonished you with tears. I cried over all of you. And now I'm going to Jerusalem where I'm going to go to prison because of this, and they're going to kill me over there. Paul's retirement from ministry, they took him out. They took a sword, they chopped his head off, and we don't even know where he's buried. Greatest man in the Christian Faith, we don't even know where he was buried. But he lived this. And because of that, I don't think I gave you verse 6, but that's all right, I'll read it. For I am ready, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only me, but also to all who love his appearing. So all who look forward to his return and all who faithfully do ministry like he just said, you may not be great on earth, but there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge, the same judge who's going to judge everybody, will award to me on that day. So that's, that's our call. That's our command as a church going forward. This is what we have to do. 
Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.